What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. That's good. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. That's hey, intercepted. At the 30. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Scott. That's uh, Jeff Ryan, and I'm Scott Smith. Yes, champion Scott Smith. Yes, we are salty dogs. We're champion dogs. Yes, we, we, we are, we've lost some of our saltiness. Here <laughs> yeah, we um, and we're and that's good because we're, we're going to have a lot of fun on this one. We have a lot. The Buccaneers organization and family has a lot to celebrate right now. Yes, and um, and we're going to be taking a whole bunch of uh, re, uh, listener questions or, or comments because they did respond to our request. Uh, but before we get to that, we, we really have to start on a bit of a somber note because, as probably most listeners know at this point, um, the Buccaneers lost one of their own yesterday with the passing of Vincent Jackson yeah. at the age of 38, which obviously I don't, doesn't need to be said, but that came as an enormous shock and is very sad. Yes, it's it's surreal. And, you know, words, I don't even know what to say about it. Well, you've been, a, you, you know, the, the franchise has been around for 45 years. Yeah. So over the course of time, uh, obviously, some people that played or worked for the organization, like Jill Hobbs not long ago, sure. are going to pass away, and it's always going to be sad. It, it doesn't make it any more sad uh, one over another, but it just it's so shocking when it's somebody you never would have guessed. No. He's 38 years old, and as, as far as I know, he seemed to be in the picture of health. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the mystery about it all. Yeah, and I'm not all that concerned about learning the, the no, mystery doesn't change anything. Yeah, and it's not it's not important to my life what happened in his life. Right. Um, you know, he, he and his family deserve privacy, but we just join in everybody else and you know, just being shocked and saddened. And yeah, not and not much more you and, can say. And you know, as you and I both know, there are many players have come and gone in the organization, but you do build relationships with some players and he was one of the ones we did a radio show oh, okay. for two years with, with him and uh, he was absolutely great. You know, just very insightful. Yeah, and it was and it was during very hard times. It was during when the team wasn't winning, and when you have to sit with a player and they have to ask the questions, it it's never easy. But he always gave thought provoking questions, and not just "yep, nope." You know, he he made you think about it, and he thought about it before he answered. So, yeah, um, thoughts and prayers out to his family. uh, Left behind four children, so um, it's a hard go, no question. No question. I also feel for the for the. Um, players and coaches and people that were close to him in the organization. Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to claim that I've been close with every player and that no. I had some special relationship with Vincent Jackson. I, I um, feel terrible for his family, but there are certainly people in this organization that it would hit harder, like Mike Evans. Yeah. Oh, no, yes, yes. Yeah, I saw what he tweeted yesterday. Sure, sure, and and Gerald <clears throat> McCoy. Yeah, the and, people that really knew him well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, when you do those, those radio shows, you know, it's an hour a week, and you do like 15 of those. And, um, you know, over a course of five months, you, you're doing these shows or, or four months. And um, during commercial breaks, you talk about a lot of different things. And that's the, I, I often thought about how cool it would be to be able to just, you know, drop a microphone in and then do playback. That's the show. 
that's oh. not on the air. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. But he was... See, yeah, see, you had an opportunity to get to know yeah, him a little bit better. Yes, so I did. it probably hits you even a little bit harder. Yeah, and, and it was a shock because I got a tweet. In fact, it was actually T.J. Reeves that just went, oh, my God, V-Jack. And I looked... Uh, he sent me a text message, rather, and I was like, what? And so, of course, I hit the Internet immediately and looked at my Twitter feed and um, was, like, dumbfounded. And I'm sure a lot of people are. And when you're hearing this, I'm sure you'll hear more about it. But, you know, a- as you said, um, we needed to address it, and we have. Yeah, so. and, and it, while it's less important than his family or any of the rest of this, he was also one of the, one of the very good Buccaneers on the field. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the best free agents on Well, definitely, probably one of the top five. After a season of 2020 where one of the stories was how incredibly well Jason Light and Bruce Arians hit on anybody they tried to bring in. Mm-hmm. You also look back at the fact that through various own, uh, managements, not just the current one, there have been a lot of hits and a lot uh, of misses uh-huh. in free agency. And yeah. Vincent Jackson came along in 2012, five-year contract. And just by the fact that in this day and age they played all five years of that contract shows you how well it worked out because that's actually fairly rare. For a veteran to sign a five-year contract and play it out at the back end of his career and play the whole thing out just shows you how good he was. I, I think I did a ranking last year of the best free agent signings of all time, which would need to be drastically changed now. No. but a year ago I think I had him about three, maybe yeah, Hardy, you did. Nickerson, yeah. Simeon Rice. Yeah, you somewhere. had him up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, not only was he a great player, but he was terrific for the community. Yeah. I mean, just <clears throat> got very much involved. His action, Jackson. Uh, yeah, a lot of military. It focused a lot on military. Well, as mom, as mom and dad were military, right. so um, you know it's a loss for the, for the community and for the Buccaneers. And family. I think somebody pointed out that maybe the most incredible thing about his tenure with the Bucks is I think he was our Man of the Year four, four, four times, times in, in a row, row. That's, and that's not easy to do. That's incredible. Yeah, that's all right. All so right. Jeff, that's that. Um, you know, we have to move on from that at some sure. point. So um, obviously, uh, we're going to have some fun now. But there's still a bit of a somberness hanging over the organization right now, a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit because of this. But. Oh, and yeah, and you know, we lost Jill Hobbs, and yeah. and that, you know, as much as we were excited about going into the playoffs and everything, we, are, you know, our thoughts were there. Yeah, we wish she could have. Uh, yeah, because she was still. there from the beginning. So. Yeah. And and then you then you get you have this great week going on and then this happens and I guess it just brings you to reality that that you know you well, just you just don't know. Well, so. there's good and bad in life. Yeah, we the Buccaneers as a team went through a lot of bad with as did every team with this COVID stuff and um, came out really good at the end. So uh, so yeah, as I mentioned before, we're going to. Uh, we asked last week to do, we were going to do one more of these and let the fans talk as much as possible. Yeah. So we tried to solicit, I'm, and I got a lot, Jeff. You're going to be happy to know we can do a whole show just really? on these. Emails. I I am I am kind of <clears throat> I'm also I mean I'm I'm thinking wow this is our last show really I mean well, 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 well at least maybe? one at least one of these listeners thinks we should keep doing it every week but I don't, I don't know if we're going to have the well. content for that. <laughs> well, then they could really find out about a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we did talk about so um, I went to my son's baseball game yesterday. Well, I always find that interesting when you, you talk do. about Alex. You do. Yes. I do. Um, uh, before we get to the questions, also uh, the last time we did this was on Tuesday last week, and the parade was on Wednesday, right? Right. We were here at the time talking mm-hmm. about the fact that we were going to have a boat parade. Yes. So since last we talked, this boat parade has happened, including the famous or infamous, depending upon who you ask, moment of the Lombardi Trophy being lofted from one boat to another. <laughs> and there's a question that 
in this group that deals with that, so we don't need okay. to get too deep into it. Sure. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was very funny, too. I thought it was great. And and the reason why I think it's great is because they caught he, it. Th- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he threw it. They caught it. You're not having this storyline of the Lombardi Trophy goes into the Hillsborough River. Yeah. Mike Evans dives in, <laughs> followed by Cam Brake, followed by Tom Brady going, He's, go deep, go deep. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, that that whole thing though was quite a celebration, mm-hmm. uh, was it not? It was. Oh, it, and, and I like at the end um, when Bruce Arians kept saying to players who were at the mic, <laughs> "You're not going anywhere." I there did. was some salty language mixed uh, in as well, but for the most part, the point was you're not going anywhere. I have to say, I have to say, the salty language made me laugh a lot because <laughs> you got the true essence of pure emotion. <laughs> from everyone yeah you know there is no filter there's no sensor going on they are just all in for what was happening yeah you know what i think i also i've been thinking about this a little bit lately and i think that we are witnessing a little bit of a societal shift there's still plenty of people who aren't going to want to hear no curse words or certain curse words right in a, in, a, in a group of people that could include say children or something like that but even so you don't really get the people getting all up in arms about it not like they used to no yeah, so I think that's for the good. I, yeah. We are talking about, you know, raise your children however you want in terms of what the type of language that they use, and but there's, these are words. Well, I think also if, you're, if your child gets exposed to, to that language while you're with them, that's the time you take that moment of teaching lesson to say those aren't the kind of words <laughs> yes, we use. Yes, especially not at your age. Yeah, or anybody's age. But sometimes really. those words really do display the emotion, and that's what I think you were talking about. Yeah, and... and it's amazing how one word has is such a great adjective. It works so many different ways. I'm going to leave that one yes. to your imagination. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, and it can be an adverb sometimes too. Uh, I, I, it, you know, it's a very I, it's a very versatile word. It's a noun too. Well, sure. <laughs> Depending upon how you use it and what uh, other words you attach to it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so um, anything else before we get to the fans' questions? No, no, because no, no, there's no more games. We haven't started free agency yet. The draft is still far off. Right. Plus, we're picking thirty seconds. So, if you if you want to guess, we're going to pick now. I, I challenge you. Go right Even ahead. if you are picking thirty second, I mean, yeah, you, we might trade down. Yeah, right? because you're almost in the second round anyway. Yeah. So, if you can pick up a few extra mm-hmm. draft, picks, oh, I said that last week, I, right? And and let's face it, you know, you had to give up a fourth round pick for Gronk. So, you I mean, get it you, back. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, Jason Light has proved very good at moving around in the draft in terms of creating. <laughs> More assets. No question. And um, it's funny because we're going to go back to with Bruce saying, don't worry, your butt's not going anywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> I kept thinking about Jason Light and going, okay, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Do this? Because the agent now has locked that frame. <laughs> so when you're in a meeting, go, when they start giving you a hard time, you press it and go, you're at. But, yeah. <laughs> you're Didn't but. your coach say? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, But you also see players actually – like I saw a bit of an interview, um, I think on ESPN.com, maybe a Peter King thing with Indomitian Sue. I think he got a lengthy interview with Indomitian Sue. Mm-hmm. And Sue mentioned that, how the coach said that to him. And sure. That, and now that's what he wants to do. Right. Well, I think – I. I think we've heard it. We've heard it from Chris Godwin on, um, I think, NFL Network. Uh-huh. Heard it from Shaq multiple times. Yeah, but, but here's what happens. You're uh, – you're, uh, a week removed from the Super Bowl. And at that time, it was even before then. So your emotions are really, really happy and things like that. But in another month or so, 
the real world starts to come into focus. And that is, this is your livelihood. This is, what are you going to do? How do you take care of your family? And everybody goes, oh, you should have a hometown discount. But in, in fairness to a player, he, he's, he, and I realize it's huge sums of money. So what they're trying to do is not only have their life taken care of um, financially. And their Their children, their heirs. Right. right. So if you can do that, you're going to try to do that. It, exactly. And one of the things that everybody forgets is one, uh, a player, what do they strive for? We heard Tom Brady say it over and over again. That's to win a Super Bowl, and that's to get a, and get your Super Bowl ring. A lot of these guys have gotten it. So now it's like I have my ring, but I haven't been paid yet. So how do I, I trade think, it off? Uh, there are two, two players in that category. The one of all those free agents who really hasn't gotten paid to the levels play yet is Chris Godwin because he's the one that's still working on his rookie contract. Yeah. Levante David has had a second contract that he just finished. Well-deserved and uh, deserves another one. Shaq Barrett. Hasn't is the other one though. He he obviously got a good paycheck this last year and he deserved it, mm-hmm. um, but he doesn't have that big multi-year contract. Right. You know, Indomitian Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul. Well, he's not a free agent, but some of these guys have already been paid sure. pretty well. And so, a lot of this isn't necessarily a hometown discount. It's a can you work with the team to structure things certain ways to make it all fit together? And you're dealing with how the cap's going to play out, and yeah. the cap may the cap may work out because they're close to yeah. a new TV deal where they can move money around. Yeah. So, I don't think it's still going to be as yeah. much as you would have thought 13 months ago, but, but maybe we, not as low as they've been. But you and I both know one thing: teams change. Yeah, they change from year to year. They change from year to year, and so if you can keep the majority of your core. That's what you have to do. And I and as much as uh, Jason Light and his crew have done a phenomenal job, I do not envy them this year. No, it won't be easy. But, you know, that they probably get, you know, like a Mike Greenberg mm-hmm. or, and Jason Light, they probably get a certain amount of satisfaction out of the pursuit, right? Oh, that what is what there's nothing better. It's like their Super Bowl. You're moving numbers around and you're trying to make it happy. It's You're working with agents. You're talking about and for you, Scott Smith, the ultimate fantasy football. <laughs> that's right. That's that's why people like fantasy football. It makes them feel like GMs. See, there you and go. See, I could have done I could have built this team better. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. No question. And and when you're not spending your own money, it's so easy. <laughs> Yes. Okay. All right. So, should we get to the questions? Yeah. There's a lot of them. Sure. I, I, I am so excited that there were a lot because yeah. after I made that comment, you know, let's... Well, we pumped it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we did, but, you know... I, I mean, think a lot of people listened to that last one. Well, I think a lot of people, too, you know, to send one in, it's just, it's not like, you know, just dialing a phone number and you're on. I mean, you have to sit down and actually write it and send it, so you have to give it some thought. So <laughs> I appreciate you taking your time See, to I do, do that. Yeah, I do too, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Well, that's because you you're could, a writer. Well, that's true. But, <laughs> I mean, you could you could send us anything and we'd read Scott it. Scott Smith, about. I agonize over paragraphs. You just blurt them through, <laughs> and I'm looking at them and moving them around and changing them. So, <laughs> All right. All right. This is from David well, I think it's David Gold from his email address, but um, he just says David. All right, David. Uh, hey, Salties. What an amazing season. So excited that we won. I keep rewatching the game over and over. In all four playoff matches, everyone played their part, but for me, Devin White was a standout. What a superhero. Okay, there's more here, but yeah. I think it's – as I think about this Super Bowl and the two games before it because he didn't play in the wild card game, uh-huh. I, that is actually something that's – starting to rise to the top for me and when i think about him and i just try to visualize him like there was a lot of devin white in those three games he was everywhere 
No, no player ever before has had. I think he ended up with thirty-eight tackles. No player's ever had thirty tackles, two interceptions, and two fumble recoveries in a single postseason. Well, he was me, everywhere. And, and and to clinch the Super Bowl, he gets the interception, and it made me think of Derek Brooks. Yeah. It made me go, you know, yeah. wow. And he's only twenty-two. Yeah, he's yeah, only he's, twenty-two. He definitely. Look, he, here's this. Here's a good time for me to go off on this tangent, uh, and, which we're going to be doing a lot of because we're taking right. about maybe a dozen emails and turning them into sure. an hour or whatever. It won't take long. Um, I noticed uh, Devin White, as a matter of fact, said in the in the after the Super Bowl during the Zoom interviews, he said, "Look at." The, he was making a point about how unselfish the team was, uh-huh. the players. But he said, "Look at this. We just won the Super Bowl, and we only had one player in the Pro Bowl." He's right. like, that doesn't make any sense. How can we only have one Pro Bowl player and we win the Super Bowl? And he's right. I mean, you and I and and probably a lot more people are now aware of how good Devin White, Levante David, Ali Marpet, right. uh, guys like that are, right? So it is only the second time ever that a team has ma- won a Super Bowl but only had one Pro Bowler in that season. It's only the second time ever. Right. The other one was the 2007 Giants who took down Tom Brady at the end of that almost undefeated season. Mm-hmm. And they were the same thing. They were a, a wild card low seed who won three straight road games and then had a huge upset over an offensive juggernaut. I'm not sure ours was as big of an upset as that one, but we were underdogs. But, uh, yeah, that's the only one. And, and there's only been two other times when the Super Bowl winners only had two Pro Bowlers. So it's really, really unusual, and you can take it a little bit as a sign of disrespect, but also I went and looked and there's probably going to be a bit of a Super Bowl bounce, as I called it, for a lot of players on this team. So you, they they got the recognition now. Right. And so when people are voting next November and December, I think they're going to be thinking of Devin White as an example mm-hmm. a lot yeah. more. Mm-hmm. Right. So like that New York Giants team in 07 only had one Super Pro Bowler. In 2008, they did not win the Super Bowl, but they had six Pro Bowlers the next yeah. year. It I, just It's like what happened when the Bucks rose to prominence in 97. And we hadn't had we'd had like Hardy Nickerson was like our only Pro Bowler for the last like 10 years or right. whatever. And then all of a sudden we're getting seven and eight in every year. You know, so these guys probably a guy like I keep using Devin Wise as an example, just probably will this will help them make future. Pro Bowls. Yeah. It's just a bit of a delay. And well-deserved. So the rest of this question, a couple of questions. This is still David. At the time of the bye week, you were both feeling it was a disadvantage having a late bye. Do you think there is something positive having the bye week late in the season, or is it just lucky for us that the bye gave the team time to rest, reset and refresh and maybe get some practice in at that point before you say anything? I don't think that's an accurate depiction of what we were saying. I have always said that a later bye – when you start the season, you can't possibly know what the best week will be. No. But teams generally prefer a later buy because you just have more – there's more time for guys to get hurt. Yeah, I I would would have preferred maybe the buy two weeks sooner than where it was. That's – yeah. Because you were in, into December or just before December before you went to your buy. So I would I would have preferred it uh, because it was the last week you could have a buy. Right, Austin Carolina. Yeah, so I, I – it as it panned out, it worked out. You probably, if it didn't pan out, you probably be saying, "Hey, you know, yeah. l- uh, fortunately, um, the injuries that we did have, um, people healed fast, but also the guys that stepped in did a really good job." Yeah, if you could look back at it now, you'd probably want to buy a week somewhere in the range of weeks five to eight because that's when we were experiencing the most injuries, right? And it would have helped to not have a game one of those weeks. But and I do I do recall at the time. Bruce Arians saying that he had a very tired team because they had played 
12 straight games right. and not had a bye. And so that that's the disadvantage to a late bye. But in general, teams, if you give them the choice, they're going to want a later bye because there's just more chances that a guy will be hurt through nine games than through eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in this case, I think we found out that that late doesn't didn't really feel great at the time. Right? I think at the time, Bruce Arians would have preferred the bye week be a couple weeks earlier, like yeah. you said. But then he has, everybody has since um, acknowledged that, well, it certainly worked out fine because it did give the team a time to reset and get refreshed, and then they never lost another game. Right. So it's hard to say it was a bad yeah. thing. No, no. I, it, when you go in hindsight, you go, yeah. oh, it all worked out. But I, I think that's a long I, – I, 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 like I said, a couple of weeks before would have been – Yeah, if, if, nothing if you were worse, lying. Nothing worse than having a buy in the third week of September. That doesn't help you. No, that's bad. Mm-hmm. That's when you really don't want it. And that I feel like, and I could prove it by going back through the years, but I'm not going to right now, that we haven't had particularly good luck because our buys always seem to be pretty early. And even a couple of years ago when we were going to have a late, like week 9 or 10, was the time when the hurricane – um, yeah, we had to move the game. We had to move the game. Yeah. I think it was uh, – who was the game against? I don't remember. I just remember the, that – Rams, the, yeah. uh, Chiefs. I don't remember. But um, it got moved to like week 10 or something. Yeah. Dolphins. Yeah, because we both had to buy that week. Yeah. So so that didn't work out either. And it was certainly a week one buy is the worst case scenario. Yeah. Because even if you, you'd take that, you'd take week 17 over that because if you had, if you were in playoff contention, then you'd have a week rest before yeah. the playoffs. So, uh, next question, looking at the fixture list, fixture list, hmm. that's, and, and I know from reading the rest of this that that means the teams that we're going to play, the schedule. Oh, not, okay. not the schedule, but the, the list, because we don't have that yet. Okay. But we do know who we're we playing. We don't have the dates yet. Right, we do know who we're playing. So, I'm wondering where Mr. Gold is from mm. to call it a fixture list. Huh. Do you think that's a British thing? Yeah, it sounds like it's... it's maybe, so, you know, maybe, it's a high, maybe it's like a soccer term. I don't know. I like it, though. I kind of like it. I think I might use that. Looking at the fixture list for 2021, we have two of the weakest divisions lined up in the AFC and NFC mm-hmm. East, but then also Bears and Rams who beat us last year. What are your early thoughts on 2021 season and how it will play out? Thanks again, guys, for such a fantastic show. And go Bucks, David. Uh, you can't tell one way or yeah. another how yeah. a team's going to be because if you would have looked at um, the Buccaneers last year, uh, you would be going, oh, good, let's mark that as a win. Right. Okay, because with the 7-9. and nine, Yeah. So one thing I have learned is the teams you think are going to be good yeah. and the teams that you think are going to be bad, you have no idea. Well, you could pick – And it's week to week. You could pick five teams right now that you think are going to be bad, and probably three of them will be. Uh, but a couple of them won't. So, like, I would say Detroit is going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jets will probably still be bad unless they get, like, Deshaun Watson or something. probably going to say Washington. Well, yeah, uh, see, maybe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. What happens if Dallas doesn't get Dak Prescott back, which uh, they probably will, sure. they'll be bad. Carolina. Philly could be bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, well, you're talking uh, – you're, you're naming all these new head coaches. Yeah, that's right, and Detroit in particular, and they just got rid of – I think they downgraded a quarterback with the trade for, of Stafford and Goff. Yeah. So, um, but you never know. I mean, you know, San Diego – or not San Diego, the Chargers, they didn't end up having a great season. But they had a new quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and he was the best part of their team. They were in every game. You know, before before uh, we did this, I was watching the um, Kansas City Charger game where Kansas City comes back and, and ties it at the end and then wins on a 58-yard mm-hmm. field goal. Yeah. And I was w- looking at the Chargers team, and I'm thinking, you know, they're, they, they were so close. They 
you know, you're, I'm, it sounds weird. Is I just they just didn't know how to win, or yeah. they didn't know how to close it. They they didn't have enough to finish it, but they were in every single. You ever game. seen a team like that? Uh, no, yes, no I was I was dumbfounded by seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, that's what I'm saying. The, the difference between well, majority of times, the difference between good teams and bad teams is is marginal. Yeah, um, and so, it can change on an injury or it, or it, the right draft pick. It, right. Um, so there, yeah, I, I just, when I look at a schedule, I mean, because you are the Super Bowl champs, I love saying that <laughs> because you are, you're expecting to beat everybody or you should beat everybody, but you know, you well, have to wait and see. I would also take issue with calling the AFC East a weak division because the bills are very, very good. Yep. And I think the dolphins are a playoff team next year. Uh, and don't count out new England. Don't yet. count out new England. Don't because they may, I think they're a quarterback away. <laughs> Well, and they get a lot of, presuming they all come back, and yeah. their contracts were told, they get a lot of good defensive players back from the from the opt-out. Right. Yeah, they had, right. They and had they, a lot of guys. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they had the perfect storm. I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't count them out. So, there's a, I'm not, I'm not high on the Jets. I mean, there are, no. there are some people who will make an argument for the Jets. And I don't mean in the long run. I think they hired a good head coach. Yeah. And, they, and if they can make some blockbuster thing I think he's going. I think he's going to turn the defense around real quick, and so I think they'll be in games. Yeah, you know, if the Jets had only had a, a, a head coach who was really good at defense, yeah, if only they'd had that. Who, you know, if you had that, you might have a few wins. I wonder, <laughs> wonder, what, wonder what went wrong there. So anyway. Yeah. Um, Isn't that funny how they're going right back to, you know? Yeah. The teams, teams are, we've seen it here. And, went from and, of course, what we're talking about is, is, is Todd our guy, Bowles. Todd Bowles, yes. who was the head coach with the Jets and will almost surely be a head coach. In the Their NFL loss is our game. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next question from Richard Godridge. And this one uh, says straight out that he's he says, Rich, UK Buccaneer. You okay. know, there's a very big contingent yeah. of Buck fans over I there. I know, I love it. Uh, raise the flag, salty ones. Long-time listener, but first-time emailing. Well, good. I hope it's not the last thank time. Thank you. First of all, I've got to say a big thank you to you both, as your podcast has kept me sane when I'm having to do jobs around the house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I listen to podcasts largely when I'm walking the dog, and uh-huh. it makes me walk the dog, wait, walk her longer. Sure. she'd like a longer walk. Yeah. But if I don't have something entertaining me, I'm not going to want to be No, so you're bored. I know what he's talking about. Sure. You're getting it done. Um, secondly, I'm still in shock at the way we took the Chiefs apart. What a day for everyone involved, and now great memories to look back on. Yeah. My question really, though, is based around the Buccaneers' championship ring. When does it start to be designed and then released, and how much are the players involved? Love you guys. Keep it coming. Rich, UK Buccaneer. Um, I don't think players are involved in the design of the ring. I, no. I don't recall that being a part of the story last time. I, I, I think they, ha- they all had opinions of it, but I don't think they were really in- I'd imagine involved. I'd imagine the process will start pretty soon. I don't think um, it'll be a. I think it would be a slow and methodical process. You know, I think that's slow, not not slow, but steady in making sure that it's done right. If we, if you look at things like re- uniform redesigns and things like that, yeah, is more the approach of this team's ownership, making sure you get it right. You know, even if it takes. Yeah, they're not. A, they, correct. Our ownership group will not be in a hurry, but they want to make sure it's it's right, and they want to make sure it it uh, it represents yeah. all that the year was. I am. I, I think. I, I don't think we're going to have a real fleshed out answer for Richard here, but no. I will say that I got another similar question, um, just 
a fan emailing me and uh, asking if I could try to write a story on that. And so I have asked, yeah. and I'm waiting for to see if sure. see if I can permission and access to kind of like the, pro- the process of how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and if I could get in, if I could get involved, not involved in the process, but just getting a chance to talk to people early on and then throughout. I could write a pretty good story. Yeah, and I, and I don't. I believe there's only a few companies that actually do. Our last one was Tiffany's. Correct. Um, but they don't. They're not all made by Tiffany. No, there's a. I believe there's a couple other companies because it is kind. Of, it is a large project, so yeah. to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about how it all comes together and all the pieces that have to go to it. So it'll be it'll be fun to watch and see and i i, I hope you get to do that story that'll be yeah, fun to i've watch. asked yeah. and i'm waiting for a response um Good I, just, I just asked a couple days ago so sure i'm, not, I'm just thinking it'll take a while before i get any information on that what do you think which finger does this go on for for tom brady this new ring it's seven right i'm trying to get a picture of him when he was holding up six did he put all five did he put one on the thumb or did he go four and two i don't know i bet he went four and two I wonder if I can I think I think it would be all I think he needs I think it would be um the last place would be your thumb. It, so it would be a pinky. two last you'd go eight on the four fingers Yeah, I would go the eight two on the two thumbs would be last. I would go eight on the four fingers and then um because That's what then I do too. because then I could hold my hand up like this. So I'm holding my hand up with my thumbs behind my palm. I'm interested in so, the fact that I don't think you would do this. Do, do they yeah. all get sized? Does everybody get sized? Yeah. Don't you remember? I don't really remember that very yeah, well. Yeah. We uh, um, got an email and oh. we had to go to Tiffany's. Oh, okay. I don't because remember Because there that is at a all. Tiffany's here in Tampa. Okay. And you went in and they measured your finger. Okay. I'd, you'd think I'd remember that. Yeah. I guess that wasn't that big of a deal to me. Okay. So here's a thing. <laughs> Here's a picture of him uh, at the, I guess. It was I'm, a, I'm hoping I get that, I- that email again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a picture of him here. It was probably the the Patriots. I do remember the ring ceremony. Yeah. Although I'm hoping to enjoy this one a little bit more because I was you basically a reporter at the last one. But see, I think it's going to be difficult because if we're still dealing with the social distancing and and whatnot, um, yeah. I know the Kansas City Chiefs did not have a have a party when they got there. Yeah, race. that was they, really right in the height of it. And they have a beautiful ring. I don't know if you've seen no, it. I, didn't. Um, uh, I saw Pat's ring. Oh, you did? Um, yeah. When uh, Kansas City played. Oh, in week 12? Uh-huh. I, I saw Pat, but I didn't look at his yeah. ring. Pat used to work with us. He's a video. Pat Brazil. Yeah, he is the director of video. Or vi- I don't know if he's a VP or director Whatever, of video. Whatever, he's the head football video. For, for Kansas City. And um, it was funny because he recognized me before I recognized him. You know, only because I was just, I was oh, standing okay. outside our broadcast okay. booth and he came flying by and we had masks on. And oh, I'm, that's true. And I'm not thinking I'm going to see Pat. You know, I'm thinking he's up way up in the rafters ready to shoot this yeah, right. but they came out of the coaches booth. yeah i saw him then too and i and and he didn't wave it at me or anything i just said hey did you get a ring and boom he popped oh, cool. it up i went cool, oh cool, man cool. that's beautiful excellent well yeah. he's got two then because yeah. he was with us in 02 uh-huh that must be nice so not a lot of people have probably won super bowl rings with two different franchises bruce arians has and in two different tom uh, brady has two different conferences oh that's right how's that tom brady in this picture here which is probably the ring ceremony is is going like this with his fist and he's got one ring he's got three on each hand so and they look like it barely fit all of them together because they're so right. big. So he's gonna he probably is gonna have to go to a pinky, right? Yeah. Or do do you, 
Okay, if you're getting sized for your seventh Super Bowl ring, are you thinking about spreading them out, or are you are you sizing them all for your ring finger? I would size them all for my ring you're, finger. Because except for a situation because like this, you're not going to wear them all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, right? he just put them. I would say your ring finger because it could depend on your mood. You know, I want ring number two. I, I want think, win number five. I, I think want Tom Brady probably needed somebody with him at this ceremony just to be his ring bearer, if you will. Oh yeah, because he probably didn't wear the all no. se- all six of them all night. No. and then you've got five Super Bowl rings you're not wearing. <laughs> somebody probably needs to keep a good eye yeah, on. Yeah, someone's got to pay attention. Here's this. another posed picture where uh, he's actually got one on a thumb, so he's got five on one hand and he's holding sure. it. But I think it was more natural just to put them all on his fingers. Yeah, I would I would think that's the case. Or he could make them into, like, brass knuckles. <laughs> well, there's that, right? <laughs> beat, wow. some, beat somebody up with a bunch of Super Bowl rings. But, I, but you know, uh, I want to ask you this. Was, was the feeling of winning – the same to you as the first go-round? It was not, and I'm not, again, I want to make it clear, as I have every time I'm talking about this, it was not the same because of the 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 little bit of distance, the one, basically being once removed from actual contact with the team. Okay. So I last know. time we were in, we, we had time, we, we were in the locker room yeah. after the game and while the celebration was going on. I understand it was players celebrating with players, and there's probably not a lot of them that cared much that I was there or not, but I still got to witness it all. Yep. It was a big difference. And then flying home on the plane, yep. on the buses back flying to the hotel. Over, flying over the stadium and the plane cocking was, to one side yeah, to go see that. I was telling, yeah, I was telling yep. somebody about that just the other day. No, I'm with you. I'm but with you. it's still fantastic. This one's been more like a slow burn. Like, uh, I'll be just, you know, we're what, eight, nine, eight, nine days after it now? Mm-hmm. And it's still every now and then we're like, wow. We really did win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think it's like with everyday life right now with COVID, you look at your life and everything that's going on, it's just different. And that's how I took it too. It was, you know, um, a fantastic moment knowing that it really was going to happen, that this was the real deal. And I think it was... I think what what touched me more than anything was the amount of texts I was getting from different oh, people, yeah. people I didn't expect, um, just out of nowhere saying, you know, where I'm looking, you're you're looking at it and you're going, oh wow, oh, yeah. I got um, a lot of texts from family in Texas. Yeah, a lot of well, in Texas. I, I'll share this with you. Um, maybe I did already. Uh, Gerald McCoy text immediately. That's cool. And said, congratulations, well-deserved. To you specifically? To me specifically, cool. yeah. He said, hey, Jeff, congratulations, uh, well-deserved. And I got one from John Lynch, but I think it was because we were already talking about something else. Uh-huh. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> can't claim he just yeah, decided yeah, to call well, me. But still fair, me. right. But hey, you can claim it, right? And so I think that's what makes it. What makes it special is your uh, relationships with different people. Uh, in the organization and right. around and people who know how hard you work and do. And so, yeah, it, it, it's different than the first one, but it's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah. And what's, I don't have a problem with that, to be honest with you. They don't all need to feel the same. I do like to say that too. Yeah. Two time. Yeah. Two, two time, time champs. champs. Yeah. Someone said, Hey champ. And I ended the email two from your two time. champ. <laughs> Uh, uh, sure. Have okay. fun now, right? Now I understand. Now I totally understand what Tom Brady talks about. You know, every <laughs> no, just <laughs> hear me out. You get you get a ring and you think that's it. That's the best ever. And then someone said, "What's your ne- what's your favorite win? What's your favorite ring?" And he said, "The next one." Yeah. And he's right. It, I mean, it's a lot easier to say that when you have proven to yourself that it's not outrageous to think 
you're going to win another one and another one. You know, he should think that way. I, you and I both know that this team waited tw- 26 years for their first one uh-huh. and then another 18 for yeah. the next one, 27. Yeah. And then another 18. So they don't come along that often. No. And and that's kind of like when you're in the middle of it and all the craziness and all the, you know, it, it, it was like it was like Super Bowl Sunday. I got here at noon on on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, which for a six thirty game. Yeah, and I got here about two fifteen. Yeah, and it was it was you were in your own stadium, but you weren't. <laughs> we because, really weren't because you weren't allowed to do anything that you, you normally do. do. Yeah. You know, you kind of like do you know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, this got me thinking, too, just now um, about the two different Super Bowls. And we were just talking about how they don't come along very often. But this team right now, definitely from, from the top down, definitely thinks they should be a prime Super Bowl contender next year. And I think wow. we're in the top five by the biggest odds. Um, and just remember, though, that so did the 2003 Buccaneers. And I vividly remember mm. after they started that season by going back to Philly – uh, on for Monday night in week one for the Monday night showcase, but on the road, which seemed disrespectful, but that's because they were trying to highlight the new stadium. Yeah. And after shutting down the vent, the vet, they completely dominated the Eagles again, seventeen to nothing, yep. and killed their celebration for the first regular season game yeah. at the Link. I still see Joe Juravicious with that catch in the end zone. Well, you're talking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Monday night where he football. tipped it to yeah. himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> one of the greatest catches. Yeah, in I know what you're going to say. You're going to say I was thinking about I, the championship. Yeah. I remember that one too. <laughs> that was more of a great run. Yeah, I'm thinking more of yeah. the acrobatic. No, he tipped it tipped to himself. himself gets spun it. around, died between two defenders. I remember leaving uh, Lincoln Financial Field thinking, "Yes, we we are we are on we, our way." I can give you a better source than that. Rondé Barber was telling us after that game that he thought that team was better than the championship team. And maybe it would well, have been, yeah. Jeff, but there were some injuries. There were some crazy last-second losses. The, I, the only thing I remember about injuries is I remember Joe Juravicious and Mike Allstott colliding into each well, other. Well, Mike Allstott was, was – um, Joe was trying to block for him downfield, and Mike Allstott ended up running into the back of his legs, and they both got hurt on that play. Right. And they weren't – neither of them were completely out for the season. But they weren't the same. But they were never the same. I think I think Joe had a knee and Allstott had a neck. Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that everybody has to – you know, you have to realize is on paper you look good like you could go repeat, but it takes – it takes you got to stay healthy, well, a little bit of luck. And then you got to play your best game on that day because Kansas City played really well all year long. They just didn't play yeah, their that's best. True. On Sunday. Um, didn't we also have the Keyshawn Johnson thing in 03? Uh, yep. I think John Lynch had already left, or did he leave after 03? Well, you had... Sap, one of the two, I think. Yep. And then you had... No, I guess they were both still here. And then you had John McKay, or, or not John. Rich McKay. Rich McKay leaving, mm-hmm. uh, going just to going to the Falcons. They're just, everything went wrong in that season. Yep. But here's a difference, though, because I don't want to make it sound like I am... Um, it's preaching doom and gloom for next right. year because I don't expect that to happen again. No. But think about the, where these two teams were in their development. That 2002 championship Super Bowl champion team was at the end of a six-year run that started in 97 and uh-huh. gradually, you know, there's a little blip in 88, 98, and then in 2000, 2001, we didn't we had to settle for wild card games, which went badly in Philadelphia. Uh-huh. But it was still a team where you could see from sure. from the time Tony Dungy took over and then John Gruden, it was on an ascension and it reached the peak. And from there, we now know it was mostly downhill. Yeah, that team had a lot of older guys. John Lynch and Warren Sapp were gone within a couple of years, uh-huh. um, and, and it just it wasn't built as it turned out. 
it wasn't built to, to last through some misfortune like those injuries we were talking about right. or the crazy Indianapolis loss or the crazy Carolina loss, both within like the first six weeks of the season. Right. It just wasn't built to withstand that. This team right now just jumped from seven and nine to Super Bowl champions, hadn't been in the, the playoffs for 13 years or the past 12 seasons, and has a lot of very young players, right? A lot of them. A lot sure. of the score is young, Tom Brady being an obvious exception. Yeah. But this is a different type of core than the, what we had in 2003. So I think you have reason to feel more optimistic that the Bucks could repeat or at least give a very vigorous title defense. This yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think it's like anything else. The, your first step is to win your games and get into the playoffs and then yeah, and take I, it from there. And then the 03 team, I think, went 7-9. and nine. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and that's, you know, you got to get into the playoffs. Doesn't matter how you get in or where you get in, just get in. Okay. This next one's from Philip Schwadron, who we've spoken with before, if uh-huh. I remember correctly. He's from California. Hey, S-Dogs, I've watched, I watched the boat parade footage from here in California, what a party. Maybe if I put on my glasses, I could read this a little better. Yeah, go for it. What a win. I didn't hear in time I didn't hear in time you were going to do one more show, so I sent this same question to the mailbag, but I think it really belongs here. What would have happened if the Lombardi Trophy, if it didn't reach the other boat, what would have happened to the Lombardi Trophy if it didn't reach the other boat? Nice throw, Tom. Don't drink in trophy, kids. Thanks for a great year of podcast. See you next season. Be safe. Phil Schwadron, Orange County, California. All right. What would have happened? Uh, after the boat parade would have been over with, there would have been a, a dive team right. going down and getting it. And if for some reason it wasn't recovered or was ruined, they would have made another one. Yeah. Well, they could have recovered. It was only 80 feet of water. It was That's, 80 feet? I think I think the Hillsborough River is only 80 feet, which is... Oh, you're saying only? That seems very deep to me for a river. Yeah. I, maybe I should look it up. I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's really that deep. Um, so you, you... But you, there's some big... There's and they some, would have known the exact point where it went in the water... And I don't know how strong the current was, but they probably right. could have really narrowed it down for the dive team, right? Well, yeah, a dive team would go. I mean, in the river, the dive team would would get it without a problem. You know, they would they would uh, they, they they would not have had a issue at all. Um, let's see. I've seen those trophies. You've seen the the um, Stanley Cup. Uh-huh. The things that players and teams have done with that thing. Well, I yeah, and I think that's the difference is that. Uh, the Stanley Cup, that's kind of how it goes, you know. Where but, but my point is, um, th- these trophies are really a revered symbol in whatever sport they're in, right? Right. The Lombardi Trophy is definitely a revered symbol. Sure. But they make another. They make one every year, and they, they probably make replicas for teams to, to display because they don't want to sure. put the real one out, right? And uh, you've seen them transferred. I've seen the, the tr- trophies transported. They get thrown in a bag, right, and thrown on a plane. Right. Um, it's... The the actual physical trophy itself, I don't think it has to be revered as this untouchable thing that you can't take any risks with. Right. And I think they showed that in hockey, right? Yeah. Um, and it could be fixed if they. I think it has been broken, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you just bolted back on. So I mean, it, there's a, there's a have you ever? I mean, there's a bolt at the bottom of oh, the yeah. trophy. I've never seen that because a rod has to go up uh, to hold the football oh, okay. onto. The, the pedestal. So, so, so oh, okay. there's, huh. really? uh, yeah. I thought it was just all one solid piece. No, you, you gotta, you, no, but, but, but I mean, I understand the, the, uh, I, apparently the daughter of the person who, the yes. man who originally designed the trophy was not happy about it. And I'm no. not here to make fun of that person. No. She feels how she feels. Correct. And it's important to her and her family. Right. But I don't think that most people were too upset about it because it's, it's a symbol. 
you know, it, I, another one could be it could be found if it dropped in, and or it could have been remade. And what would really be the difference? Sure, I think um, I I think it all plays out nicely because the catch was made, <laughs> and so you know Denver has the catch. We now have the catch. Denver has the catch. Wasn't it? Wasn't that the? Wasn't that one of their? Well, how they made no, no, I'm that's San Francisco. Yeah, that's Dwight Clark. Catch. Yeah, they Dwight have Clark. the catch, and now Tampa Bay D- has the catch. Denver had the fumble because Cleveland fumbled against them. Yeah, Probably. oh, they had a lot of issues. Cle- yeah. Yeah. Cleveland had a couple of plays like that. I can't. What was the running back's name? By Byron. By, oh, he was a coach. By, Ernest Biner. Ernest Biner. Yes, the fumble. Okay, so we are moving on. Yeah, I think this is another first time uh, writer in or. She titled her email, Winner, Winner, Chicken Dinner. Oh, I like it. And this it. is Janet Banks from Chris Godwin's hometown of Middleton, Delaware. You know what? I know her. You do? I do. I know. Um, she's very good friends. Uh, her husband, or uh, her former husband, he passed away a few years ago, um, Dave Banks. Him and I worked together in Tampa at WQIK. Oh. Uh, Dave was doing mornings. Kidding. Uh-huh. And um, we uh, became really, really close friends. And um, they, he left here and then came back. And then he's, uh, he, they grew up in Delaware. Okay. So Janet, for whatever reason, she is surrounded by Philadelphia yeah. Eagle fans. That's in what her she family. says here. Yes. And Janet has all, when she came down uh, to marry Dave, that's, they, they got married and their married life started here in Tampa. She just embraced the Buccaneers, no matter how bad the team was and wherever she went. Um, so this is a true Buccaneer fan. Well, she says she's been a fan since 1980. Yes. And uh, that means that she missed the 79 playoff team, mm-hmm. got to see a couple of quick pl- playoff flameouts in 81-82, and then suffered through a lot of bad years. Yes, yes. Which is funny because that's one person I didn't hear from, and I I was thinking. Well, now you are here. Now I am. Maybe that's why. Better way. This is better because it helps our show. How cool is that? Yeah. Well. Okay. Thank you, Janet. Mm -hmm. I I don't know you, but Jeff. Yes. Appears to be speaking highly of you. Sure. Okay. So, longtime listener, first time emailer. Wow. Oh wow. (laughs) There's nothing more (laughs) difficult than being a Bucks fan in Eagles territory. There you go. Uh But here I am, a fan since 1980. I just want to say I love your podcast, probably because you're probably our favorite. We, I guess, at this point. Maybe not. (laughs) I can take it. (laughs) It is one way for me to get my Bucks fixed. Please think about continuing this all year, possibly with special guests, players, coaches, etc. Yes. Sure. Um, Let's stop here and say that was our modus operandi. Yeah. But it was becoming just a bit too difficult in this strange season, and particularly sure. since we can't we can't go and ask them ourselves and bring them to the room ourselves. No, we had to rely on a lot of people. And, and we there just were felt a lot like of yeah. They just had got, a lot to do. Yeah, it just just kept getting more and more, and we just didn't feel it was fair to keep asking. Yeah, them. and i i always i always um, i always felt um, better when we went and got the guy because then we could it's tell them, hey, better. this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Especially if we That's didn't, if we didn't know them pre-COVID, and, and maybe again someday we would just go into the locker room during open locker room periods mm-hmm. and go to the guy we wanted and ask him if he could do it and win. Sure, and and then we'd take him to the room ourselves and do the interview and there, get it done, and nobody else in PR or anything else had to get involved. We no. just made sure they knew about yeah. it. Yeah. So okay, so All right. we'll work. Uh, on we're that. not done yet. Please think about. Oh yeah, I just said it. The current team is more talented than I've ever seen. Just love my boys. When the position of team mom opens up. 
please forward my name to the Glazers. Way to go, Bucks. <laughs> Janet from Chris Godwin's hometown. Yep. in Delaware. Yeah, they're so proud of Chris Godwin. I know oh. all about uh, Well, they should be. They are. I know all about team moms having uh, had a son in various youth sports. And uh, I, I played youth sports, but I don't remember if they were doing team moms back then. But uh-huh. team moms are very popular people around teams. They do a lot for your team. Huh. You know, they may be the one organizing, like, if you're going to play in a go on a tournament somewhere in the country, you have to have, like, everybody has to have their birth certificate or something like that. They sure. do a lot of organizing. They do a lot of providing of snacks and drinks mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and it's basically trying to keep all the families informed. Sure. So every every little t- Lily team I did had either a very much noted, like, this is the team mom or something that was basically by default the team mom. Yeah. So if there's a way for, if we ever create that position, I don't know what they would do exactly. Mm-hmm. Janet can send in a resume. Oh, yeah. And then you would have, uh, she, she'd would, be on yeah, a reference list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, she was such a fan, and um, this had to be in the early 90s. And um, uh, Dave had reached out to me, and what he wanted to give her for Christmas was a Buccaneer winter coat. <laughs> and so those aren't very I common. Said, I know, you know, and I did, I remember getting one and sending it and, and that's always so probably like orange and red. Yeah. It was. And that's what always made me laugh is that you, you are a true fan if you're in Eagle country and you're walking around in the wintertime with a Buccaneer coat. Yeah. On. My dad back in the St. Louis area just asked me a couple of days ago if I could send him a, a Buccaneers mask. Cause oh, he would proudly wear sure. it in the, uh, in the grocery stores and so on around there. Okay. Uh, next question, because we right. still have quite a few. Sure. We may not get to them all, Jeff. No. Um, we're at the 47-minute mark. Geez. Well, that's because we're answering a lot. All right. This one is from Dominic Hodgkinson. All right. Who, another person from England, Derbysh- Derbyshire. Oh. Derbyshire. 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 That because, yeah, they England. say it differently. We would say Derbyshire. Yes, but we would, would but say, we would be wrong. Yes. Question. Which of our Super Bowl defenses... Defense is spelled with a C. Uh-huh. Are better, 2003 or 2021? And he obviously prefers to refer. I would refer to our two Super Bowl teams as 2002 right. and 2020. Those but were the, the seasons. seasons. Both Super Bowls were won in the years that Dominic right. says here. Uh, cheers, Dominic Hodgkin, Derbyshire, Derbyshire, England, Bucks, UK member. Well, okay. you want to start? I uh, this that question was posed to Warren Sapp, and he kind of threw it out there about how many picks and how many touchdowns that defense scored but he thinks it's unfair to do a comparison because and I agree is you both won the Super Bowl and you played really well defensively yeah so yeah I I I can't say one's better than the other Uh, I will say that um, they won but they won differently and the fact that in 0-2 the defense scored touchdowns and in 2020 the defense didn't allow Kansas City to score a touchdown. Yeah. So I say checkmate. Exactly. I mean, I would say the 2002 defense was more established as the league's best defense um, before they then proved it again in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Whereas the 2020 Bucks just clearly had one of the best defensive performances in Super Bowl history. But maybe going into that weren't quite as well established as this 2002 team. There's differences in the era, don't get me wrong, but that 2002 team only allowed 12.5 points per game. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, the, the your leading defense this year probably allowed more than that. Um, but uh, this defense, this, this defense this year, the difference between the league average and what they allowed wasn't nearly as wide as the difference between the league average in 2002 and what the Buccaneers. So by era even, 
they were a much more established fantastic defense. And let's not forget, they now have three Hall of Famers off of it, and we're certainly hoping Rondé makes it four. Uh And maybe someday well down the road you'll be able to say the same thing about this defense. But it's a little early to start saying that any defense can have three pro bowlers on it. Well put. And by the end of the regular season – there had been, it had gone through a few teams along the way, but by the end of the regular season, the Rams were pretty much considered the best defensive team in the league. Not the Buccaneers, but the Rams. In 2002, there was no question right. who the best defense was. And then your point is very valid. This team just had one of the best performances ever, only the third time that a team has not allowed a touchdown in a Super Bowl. And this was against what most people would probably think is the best offense in the league. Mm-hmm. They were first in yards, first in passing yards. They were not first in points. But still, if you were going to say who had the best offense in the league, probably Kansas City, right? Right. There's some others you would consider, Green Bay, New Orleans, Buffalo, but probably Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So to do that against probably the best offense in the league is probably just as impressive as an accomplishment as having five interceptions and three pick six. Sure. And and the fact that everyone kept saying you're going to have to score more than 30 points to be able to beat this team. Yeah. Beat this team. As it turned out, Kansas you just City. needed 10. Yeah. So <laughs> I, that's, there you go. Yeah, so – Hats off to both defenses. But I do like what you said is that the 0-2, look at how many Hall of Famers are in there. Yeah. So I think they the allowed, jury's still out. They allowed two touchdowns. I think the third one was on a uh, block punt, mm-hmm. and this team didn't allow any. So you could use either arguments to say which performance was better. And I don't think a lot of people – I think Warren Sapp's uh, answer is pretty diplomatic there. I would have expected him to say, well, the 2002 was the best. No. And he could probably get away with that. Sure. Argument. Uh, this this defense here has a chance to be just as good, but I think it did match the O2's Super Bowl performance. Yeah, yeah. And you could you could depends on what and you I, like, but you could pick this one as better than. And that I one. think and I think what you get to do is uh, when you're having yourself a pint, it's a good discussion to have. <laughs> of course, that O2 team also faced the number one offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first time that the fir- top two passing offenses have ever met in a in a Super Bowl, by the way. Oh, uh, but only one of them really showed up. Thanks to our defense. Yeah. <coughs> oh, you all right? No, oh, there he goes again. I got. I got. To, I didn't get the first. I one. know, but you did get the second. So all right, we're uh, only at the end of the year, but you're figuring it out. <laughs> this is from Robert Munster. We've heard Bobby Munster. We've heard from him before. Okay. Bucks are Super Bowl champs. Yes. And that feeling, he likes to say it as much as you do. Mm-hmm. And that feeling is equal to the great season of Salty Dogs. <laughs> I guess. Okay. All right. Doesn't get any the better. The two than best this. things about the Bucks 2020 season were Super Bowl victory oh. and the Salty Dogs podcast. Oh, wow. You guys were talking about the Bucks never losing a Super Bowl. I had that same thought. Yep. Oh, oh I guess he's. There's a link here to some site called We Don't Lose Super Bowls. Oh, I like it. Have a great offseason, and there's and here's the two in a row, Bobby Munster. Well, let's just Thanks, assume Bobby. he didn't send me a, a bad link. Yeah. Oh, now all of a sudden I'm going to get okay, an email from IT. It's a single page that says We Don't Lose Super Bowls and has a picture of the field in the, champ- in the celebration afterwards. Oh, nice. Oh, but he is also predicting another one in Super Bowl 56. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Us in Baltimore, the only teams that have been to multiple Super Bowls and not lost any. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, Which will be more impressive if I, it becomes three. Uh, that, that just has to be the worst feeling ever. Okay. All right. Hey, dogs. I have a small collection of stuff from the Bucks' first Super Bowl, including the Sports Illustrated edition that came out after the game. Not the sp- special collector's thing they create later, or used to at least, do they still, but the actual weekly edition. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Bucks are on the cover, but two questions are for you. Do you remember which Buccaneer was on the cover? And he knows, I guess, is it a he? Yeah. Hint, it was just one player and it wasn't a celebration scene because sometimes they just, you know, quarterback holding up the trophy or something. 
If there's still a weekly SI, I honestly don't know if there is. Who do you think was on the cover after this Super Bowl? Yeah, I could probably look it up, but this is way more fun. Thanks and go Bucks. What a season, Rory. You know, you don't meet a lot of Rorys. No. I actually read this one earlier and did a little tried to dig around a little bit, and I don't think there was I don't I'm not sure SI does weekly anymore. It looked to me like there were monthly covers. Yeah, I, I you know. And there wasn't a Super Bowl, there wasn't an edition that I could find specifically for the week right after the Super Bowl, which is when you'd usually get the cover we're talking about. He's making a distinction here between that and they do a special commemorative yeah, issue. And I'm sure yeah. they did do that. And Tom Brady's on the cover. Yeah. Uh, holding up the trophy. Right. Um, so uh, as to just an actual weekly edition, I'm not sure they do it anymore. And I don't think there's been one. I'd so, but they were doing it back in 2003. Yeah. And I do, I did remember. I didn't have to look it up. I do remember who was on the cover of the next Sports Illustrated. For some reason, I want to say Sap. Well, it's kind of a surprise. It would you would have expected it more after the Eagles game. It's not Rondé. Joe. Yeah, it was Joe Jervicius. Really? I think they just chose it because they liked the picture. Oh. It's Joe Jervicius kind of. He's got it's a close up and he's kind of stiff arming. Okay. Stiff arming. I think a, an plowing your way to the Super Bowl. I think they just liked the the picture because you certainly wouldn't think of Joe Jervicius as one of the top ten storylines in that game. You you would expect a defensive player to be on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, yeah, that was a little weird, but I mean, good. You know, good for Joe. It's something he'll always have. Yeah. Um. Okay. I guess I answered both questions then. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Moving Good on. Good job. Moving on. Picking up the pace a little bit. We're All down right. to, God, there's still like eight questions. Wow. Yo, Salty Ones, I don't know about you guys, but it's still party time for us Buccaneer fans out here in California. That's two yep. from California. That's mainly me and my family, <laughs> but you get what I mean. Well, there's another guy out there. Uh, yeah. his, his name's Micah from San Jose. Uh, Philip Squadron's out there, too, if you guys want to hook up. Okay, so my question to you is, what play are you going to be remembering from the Super Bowl 55, from Super Bowl 55 18 years from now? Like, I'm sure you have some plays that stick out in your mind when you think about the Bucks' first Super Bowl. What's going to really stick with you from this one? Thanks for taking my question, if you do. Love the podcast, even without guests, but guests are cool, too. Thanks, Micah from San Jose. But a lifelong Bucks fan, long story. Okay. Did you get all that? Yep. So, the, well, the, the O2 the o Super Bowl one is Derek Brooks finishing it off, running down the sideline. That's in my head. Yeah. Because then I really knew it was over. Well, yeah, but I, I think the play, the, the image that I have in my head, that's it's somewhere, maybe it's in our Super Bowl book, um, that I always think of first is actually Dwight Smith's first uh, pick six. And the shot is coming from the end zone mm -hmm. that he's going to run to. That's the angle it's coming from. And he has the ball in his hands. And Jerry Rice, who was the intended, tar intended target, is behind him on the ground. Right. And he's just getting ready to return it for the pick six. And you can see the Bucks sideline right behind all that. And there's, like, everybody's in different stages of just starting to celebrate. You know, they're all realizing what just happened. So you have yeah. some guys that are kind of their hands are going up in the air, and, and some people are already jumping. And to me, it's a really – I think the three pick sixes were the story of that Super Bowl. Is that Bowl. the um, um, moment of victory statue? No, no. no. That was made from um, – actually, I believe the story, all of those poses in the mm -hmm. moment of victory of yeah. those players and the coach – are actual from shots, but they're not one shot. Oh, I thought they were one shot. No, I think it's just they they were they took actual shots of those guys in celebration, but they weren't necessarily the exact same moment oh, okay. in one shot. Yeah. Um. In any case, that's one that always sticks out to me. Yeah. I always remember the Keenan McCardle touchdowns right before and after halftime because they were just I, I loved how they were just such easy plays. Like one of them was just run in the end zone about three yards and then then cut diagonally back 
and then just really quick throw by Brad Johnson. Right. I like that approach at the at the goal line, so I always think of that. Uh, the one for um, this what? Super Bowl, yeah, Lenny, the twenty-seven yard run. Yeah, best thing about the what I picture when I picture that run is Ali Marpet on the move. Yep, blocking all the way out. He he. Everybody else blocked down. I guess you would say they blocked. They were trying to angle their blocks to the left. Ali Marpet pulled all the way from the other side of the line, ran around, gave Leonard the lead block, and he was not touched. What what is amazing about that NFL Films has been putting out a series of the, the Super Bowl game. And um, it's that play happened before it happened. They did a play, and when they got to the sideline, Bruce Arian said, we can run it. That's going to work. We're gonna, they, no kidding. Because they could see how Kansas City was defending what they did. And, I didn't and see this. So it, um, Where did you say you saw this? It's NFL Films. Uh, it was on – I saw it yesterday. It was like uh, 15 – or it, there's like um, – gosh, it, they've done so many. There's like different ones. Is it game. a mic'd up thing? It's a mic'd up thing. It has Gene and Dave. It has Jay, uh, uh, Gene making the call. Then it has Dave describing Ali Marpet going oh, outside, cool. pushing out. Yep. Uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That one stands out to but me that, as well. But that was the play that, that stood out for me. A um, couple others on offense. Sure. That, for, one each for the tight We were talking last week about the play where Cam Great got the little. Yeah. Cam Great got the little. Um, yep. I think it just called him Cam Great. Yeah. There's well, a nickname for you. Some people think he, he got is. that little screen pass and just kind of tucked the ball and got up field for 15 yards. And then the the Gronk play down the middle of the field. Um, it wasn't one of his two touchdowns, but it was. It looked like vintage Gronk. Yeah, and, and that it, seam and, and, like and you thought yards. he was going to be gone. He thought so yeah. too. You tell when players they make a big play, but they get tackled, and they thought yeah. they could make it. They always stand up and go. Ugh! Yeah. But then you, there was some make mic up segment where he was telling that was right before Lenny's run. Uh-huh. He was telling him, I, I I didn't score because I, I want you to. Yeah. So maybe I saw the same thing you did, but yeah. didn't catch that part. I love it. I love it. Um, and then you, you know, because it was such an incredible defensive performance, I would not say that there's one play that stands out above the rest, but it, just the image, especially in the third and fourth quarter of. Uh, uh, Mahomes constantly getting chased backwards uh-huh. into the sideline, like play after play after play. Sure. So it was almost an incredible play by um, by Mahomes. But that play where Shaq chased him all the way to the sideline and was pulling him down, and he's facing the wrong direction and somehow spins around and gets off a throw that just about makes it to his guy. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. And it's uh, unbelievable. He's yeah. Houdini. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah. All right. This, I think, is from our um, – which, which, which I will say this. You need to watch the NFL's film stuff because I, you and I both were, were, were live at the game and watching it, but you're in a work mode, so you're not watching it like a fan. At least I don't. Yeah. And so watching it in, as a replay, and, I, and I've watched the TV version already, it's, it's fun. Now, of course, yeah. you won, so it makes it a lot of fun. You know? But uh, the NFL stuff, uh, NFL films, uh, phenomenal job, and um, it's funny because they sent me an email wanting the highlights, and it was before the game, and they said, "How fast can you put? Could you get these to us? And you have to upload." And um, they had our uh, whole game broadcast um, within an hour and a half after the game was wow. over with, and they were editing stuff together. Nice, it's pretty amazing. All right. Um, 
this is from Alexander in Brazil. Okay. A, Yay, a frequent Alexander. contributor. Yes, thank you. Ahoy, salty ones. Will you guys take slash buy any souvenirs from this season? I mean, we, we were given by the team, as every staff member was, a hat and a shirt from yep. both the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. And I think yeah. those will be my – I have programs from it as well. I, I contributed have. to it, so I got some in the mail even before the week. Yeah, I have, uh, I have, I have programs. I have a um, Super Bowl 55 cap. I have uh, the shirt and the cap. And um, – and I have my memories. <laughs> Jeff getting all philosophical. How's that? Do you do you have your lucky underwear stored somewhere? Uh no. I but I will say this: I did wear my sweater. I did. <laughs> and wear, it was hot. It was. At very least your hot. booth had a booth had a breeze. Yeah. Well, that's because we were outside. Yeah. Well, I think you should be happy about it <laughs> yeah. at this point. Okay. More. Did you get to meet with this year's players? Well, no. No. The protocol is still in place even yeah. now, and uh, there are players, I guess, getting treatment and so on back at one buck. And I, I did have the opportunity to. At the party. Yeah, to see Levante David. Yeah. And. Um, you told this story last week. Yeah. So that was a plus. So, But for the most part, no. But for the most part, no. You, you just didn't. And that's the hard part about this. You know, that's. There's the, time. Uh, yeah. There's time. Yeah. Um, and finally, favorite moment from the Bow Parade. I mean, it's obvious. The, 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 sure. The, the toss of the Lombardi Trophy. But the whole thing was a lot of fun. All right, have a nice off-season, you guys, and see, he says in quotation marks, see you next season. Okay. Since you did, thanks for reading. Um, and here we have, and this this email uh, is from the guy that gave us the great um, storyline this oh, week from yeah. Germany. I, I will say this. Listening to you read the letter was really good, but then I read your mailbag <laughs> and read his, and I was like, dang, that guy's a really good writer. Yeah, he nailed it. So that was a long email. Remember at the time, uh -huh. I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to read the whole yeah. thing. But then I ended up reading the whole thing. This one's like five times as long, and I literally don't think we have time to read it all, but there's some good stuff here. Are you so. going to print it in your mailbag? No, dude, this is longer than my mailbag. Oh, wow. <laughs> Clears throat, which I just provided some sound effects of. Ah. Winning the Salty Dogs Email of the Year Award <laughs> is an honor beyond words. He, so, he, this is all in italics, and he's acting like he's at a podium. Yeah, okay, award. I like it. Clears throat. Winning the Salty Dogs Email of the Year Award is an honor beyond words. At this point, I want to thank my beautiful wife, Sandra, and my awesome son, Tristan, for their nonstop support. They always leave me alone when I'm yelling at the refs, and they always check the final score of the Bucks game or football at all, and they got me a Buccaneers snack helmet for Christmas. I love you, and then thundering applause at sure. the end of the speech. So that's pretty clever. Uh, he's got a snack he can, helmet. He can paint a scene. I like it. Oh. This is Dylan, and, and okay, a little longer down here, he actually thanks me for pronouncing his name right, and unfortunately I don't remember how I pronounced yeah, it. Yeah, so we're so so it's either clear. It's Dylan Eberhardt or Eberhardt, whichever one I said correctly last time. I, that's how you want to go again. Yeah, that, okay. that's that's it. Uh, th hello, Super Dogs. Thank you for making this unbelievable week even better. Hearing my mail get read on your great show is a special moment. And you also posted it on the homepage. I think I'm famous now. I'm already rich because I placed a bet on the Bucks winning the Super Bowl right before the playoff game wow. against the Saints. I'm not a wagering guy. That was the first professional bet of my life at all. But the beginner's luck did the trick, and I made 425 out of my 50. And there's a symbol here that maybe is a euro. Uh, that would be the currency. Where is he from? Germany. Uh, it would be Euro. Okay. I don't know what that symbol means, but it's probably Euro. I donated I donated it all to a good cause, Super Bowl champion <laughs> merchandise, or cool merch, like my yeah. son calls it. Speaking of, of cool, kudos to you, Scott, for not only getting my last name right, but also making it sound so much cooler by saying it with that American accent, <laughs> which is so funny to hear. 
<laughs> you know, somebody from another country describing yeah. an American accent. Yeah, I love it. I don't feel like I have an accent, but I obviously yeah. do. Wow. Yes. When you go when you when you're <laughs> over when you're over in Europe and everything, if you say something, they'll say, "Oh, you're an American," and you go, "How do you know?" And they'll go, "Oh, by your accent." And and also you're fat. Well. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Uh, I was making a general. The funny, the funniest, um, the funniest thing was when when in Australia, where the guy said you're American, and I said, "How do you know?" And he goes, "Because of your accent." Your crazy accent. And as as an an Australian telling me that, we over here love to hear people speaking in in particularly Australian and British accents. Sure. Okay. Uh, by the way, you you and Jeff are both right. I was in the military because even though it's suspended at the moment, there is a compulsory military service in Germany. Yeah. But that has nothing to do with my 24-hour time format, which we use pretty regularly, which I believe is what you said. Yeah, well, especially if you go catch a train there. Everything's in military time. And thank you for and thank you so much for saying that you wouldn't know that English is not my first language. I adjusted the English language skill from good to very good in my resume already. Ah. So I probably shouldn't point out that he spelled very wrong. Oh, how do you spell it? <laughs> There's just a typo. It's, oh. You put two R's in it. I, there's were, two different kinds of you, mistakes in you writing. Were, you were just dying to find something on this. There's, well, there's two different kinds. As a writer, write stuff every day, and then sometimes get caught with a mistake. There's a mistake where you didn't know what you were doing. Or there's just a mistake. mistake. Uh, yeah. Like, I know very well the difference between there, there, and there. Mm. But that doesn't mean I've never typed the wrong one. Sure. Just you're going along quickly and you don't even realize what you've done. Right. Or in, in this case, just... Uh, there you go again. Okay. So then this is where it starts to get really, really long. Because right. I think he's telling this entire story of how he became a Bucks fan and sharing a bunch of moments. Yeah. yeah. Um, but here's... It's nice. <laughs> I like the fact that he's taking the time. Yeah, it's it's a real long one, and I'll let you read it too. Sure. I'll forward it to you so you can read it. I appreciate it. it. Um, but this, I don't think we have time to read this whole thing. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, he does say, as a little side note, from the video game days, Hendrick and I still referred to Derek Brooks as the Mister. Uh, Mister. Yeah, right? yeah. Who's because your favorite player? Hendrick often threw interceptions in number fifty-five. And then would yell something like, what, Brooks again? Screw it. And I would say, hey, it's still Mr. Brooks to you. <laughs> I think you might not get the Hendrick reference because he, I skipped some paragraphs, but sure. it's a friend of his that yeah. they play games together. I figured that Who's out. a Jets fan. <laughs> wow, that's a true fan. And it sounds like they both of them kind of got the NFL bug from watching um, NFL Europe games. Mm-hmm. He mentions the Berlin sure. Thunder and the yeah. Running Fire. Yeah. Uh, 5,000 spectators, he said. Yep. Anyway. Wow. Good stuff. Thank you. Uh, there's a little, whole lot more, and I'll let Jeff read it too, but um, we would we don't. Yeah, I appreciate you sending that. All right. Uh, now we have Thomas Schoffman. Uh-huh. Uh, service Salties from Austria. So I don't oh. know what Servus means, S-E-R-V-U-S. Well, I'm But it sounds s- like greetings. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, from I've Austria. To, I've been there. You've been to Austria? Uh-huh. I'm jealous. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think we've had an email from Austria It's not before. very far from Germany. Yeah, I knew that. Right I know, I'm pretty good with geography. Sure. First, I want to mention that I really love hearing your podcast, whether I am on the street or on my way home to work from bringing my kids to kindergarten or whether I am hanging up my clothes to dry. Everything is better with you, especially after a Bucks win. Okay. All right, cool. I like it. That's good. It's still hanging clothes to dry. Nothing wrong with that. It's it's, a, it's got, good for the environment. It's got pure, fresh air there. It's good for the environment. Sure it is. So here's my question. Everyone is talking about the Winfield Jr. peace sign, but I think it was meant to be the victory sign. Like, hey, uh-huh. man, take this. <laughs> I won, and not, hey, man, let's hug and enjoy that we're all playing a game together no matter yeah. who wins. Okay, there's two things here. Sure. It's just that's what people call the raising of two fingers, yeah. the peace sign. Well, that's right. 
And it also means victory. It right? means victory. It, it meant in, 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 in during World War II. World War II, that was your victory sign. And then the hippies and everybody, it became a peace, peace so sign. So that's how it happened. Sure. Right. So um, it, people are going to call it the peace sign, but it definitely was not a peaceful moment. No. He was not trying to share no. the peace. He wasn't saying, oh. No, he was pretty much saying, in your face, this is it. And I loved it because you know what? I think it's wrong that he got. Well, I can't say it. He says, do you agree that it was the victory sign or is it just a PR thing that the Bucks or NFL wants to communicate it as a peace sign because it makes it sound more sportsmanlike? No, no. because Antoine no. Winfield's motivation had nothing to do with what the sign is called right. or what it really meant. It had to do with the fact that Tyreek Hill always gave that to people. Right. And, and then, he knows that because he goes on And then when he was it. told he couldn't do it anymore, he put it on his gloves. He, so, he would, <laughs> so he would hold his hand up. So he, he never did get penalized for it, though. No, he, well, he never got fined for it either. So, yeah. So, which was a seventy-five hundred dollar yeah. plus peace sign, and yeah, for a second-round draft pick rookie, and he's he, spending it like it was. He he, I think it was very much worth every dollar. Hey, oh, you know, you know the fact, I mean, listen, the fact, the fact that he had that in the back of his head. He was waiting for a good moment, waiting for the time, and it could not have been a more perfect, perfect time. I don't blame him at all. I don't either. I don't either. In fact, I kind of like the sportsmanship because it's it's tit for tat. You know what I'm saying? You get to you you get to you know argue with your opponent. You you know that's that's sports, right? Yeah. You got me that game. Okay, I'm going to take it. And now I got you back. You're going to take it. I like it. So here now, um, here is a shorter version of a how I became a Bucks fan uh, that I will read right. from this same guy, Thomas Schaffman. All right. Um, because it's kind of funny. By the way, I started to be a Bucks fan in 2014 when I was first in Tampa on holidays and just wanted to watch an NFL game. But even though we ended up this season as the last overall, which is true, 2014 was the year we were we had the first draft pick the next year and got James yeah. Winston. Yep. Because that was we had the single worst record in the league. Yes, we which did. we clinched with a loss in the final week of the season. Yes. But the game against the Rams was magic, although we lost it through a home through a time runoff because someone could not stay up after an injury just before we would have been able to kick the winning field goal. Do you remember that? I do. Wow. And, and do you remember who it was? Who didn't get up? Couldn't get up. Uh, Mike Evans. Yeah, he, he made the big catch to get us into their territory. I'm not sure we were quite in field goal range. Yeah, we are close, though. We're close, yeah. yeah. Maybe a long field goal. Maybe a time for one, a more, shot at it. one more pass beforehand. And, yes, uh, Mike got hurt on the play, tried to stand up, just simply couldn't. So, therefore, he had to be down for an injury. And since we didn't have a timeout, they had a 10-second runoff, and that was yeah, the game. That was, that, that was a really bad way for a game to end. I yeah, remember I, that vividly. I, yeah. I understand the rule, but I don't like it. it it's, it's really tough to penalize that guy because he's sure. hurt, and he's trying right. to get up, but he can't. Right. And so you penalize his whole team. I don't know. Now, had he gotten up and not moved and just stood, stood there, on the edge of the line, stood on the line, yeah, and, if you got time to bent think over or whatever and just held for that period of time, he would have been okay. If you got time to think about it, if yeah. you're planning ahead of time, maybe even somebody goes and Holds helps you up. stand there. Yeah. And you stand on the line to make sure that you don't have illegal formation. Sure. And then they snap, snap and spike the ball. But you got to do a lot of but thinking. But you, you're not going to think about that no. at that moment. No. no. So, uh, anyway, uh, there's a little more here. Um, they stopped. Okay, anyway. The magic, was, the magic was a thunderstorm took place right in the middle of the game. 
I had forgotten about that. Sure. They stopped the game for, I don't know exactly, maybe one or two hours, and everyone got up from their seats yeah. to hide inside. Yeah. And everyone thought, hmm, what shall we do now? Mm-hmm. So everyone went to the bars to take a drink, uh-huh. or two or three. So that was the reason. I can't remember the duration of the game break. <laughs> but I do remember that the atmosphere was just so intense after the break. It was awesome. So yeah. that's how I became a fan of the worst team of that time. Yeah, I remember that because we filled for almost two hours I, in the air. We hated those. Yeah. We had a couple uh, of those games uh, that year, I think. Denver they, game. Oh. oh they were, those are the worst. Uh, actually, the worst is when it happens in the preseason. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Cleveland Browns. So that's how I became a fan of the worst team of that time, and I stayed through all the years, and it is worth it. Because in Europe, when we support a sports team, we stick with it yes. no matter what. I you love may get divorced during your life, but you always stick to your team. Oh, I lo- that's a fan right there. <laughs> so hope to hear you soon. I like that. You may get divorced, but you're always, you're always <laughs> you your can't team. divorce your team. <laughs> All right. Uh, you want to do two more? We've been on for sure. no, yeah, finish it off. One. Yeah, let's finish it. Hey, look, people took the time to write in. We're going to take the time to answer it. If you don't want to listen to all of it in one setting, you don't have to. Okay. This is from Keith Manlove, who I believe we answered a question from last week. All right. Um, he is also from England, Chesterfield. And uh, first, firstly, I'd like to say you were right about what I thought was intentional grounding last week. Remember when I said that you have to get it Back to the line of scrimmage, and you have to be out of the tackle box. Yep. And um, it is my opinion that they give you a lot of leeway with that. So if you get it close to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And then I also said that for for a long time, I would mess this up and think that they weren't getting it close because I know the words line of scrimmage, but I'm thinking the first down marker. So I'm looking at the fact they didn't get close to the first down marker when all he has to do is get back to the line of scrimmage. Okay. And I think that's what he's referring to. Here. Sure. He says, I've watched it. Back and the ball was fu- was short of the sideline official, who I thought would be on the original line of scrimmage, but they were about five yards further down the field, and the ball, ball passed between them and the line of scrimmage. So, yeah. um, my question is whether there is an assisting the rusher rule. Me and my 49ers supporting friend think we have heard this mentioned in the past. On the Chiefs' second possession, they had a second and five. Edwards Hilaire. He, Elair, I think it's pronounced, rushed and appeared to be stopped after a two-yard gain until a couple of offensive linemen gave him a huge push, which got him to the first down marker. I hope we can keep up the – okay, that's the end of the question. Yeah. Well, Is you, that legal or not? It is. It just depends on whether the whistle's blown on forward progress. Yeah, but can you even do it is the point. Well, they do. They can. It's yeah, legal. You move, the, you move the pile. You can push the pile from behind, which could be involved actually pushing the running back who's sure. part of that pile. You cannot pull. Right. And you cannot assist them in terms of you can't like pick them up and carry them. Right. You can't pull them. You can't pick up. You can't. I found this part interesting when I was looking at the rule. They specifically have a rule about not interlocking arms around a player so that the defender can't get to him. <laughs> I've never even seen them try that. <laughs> so I guess you're saying it's a shield. Yeah, you just a have three hug. guys like around them and you just trundle yeah. down the field. No, no bear hugging. That's funny. So. Yes, you can push it. And, and sometimes that's even really part of the design of the play. My, I think the best example would be like a quarterback sneak at the goal line. Yep. There's generally a running back lined up behind him, for one thing, because you want to make them believe you're going to hand off. Sure. Or at least have the idea of that. And that running back will usually run up behind the quarterback and, and push the pile. Right. So it, it, is, it is legal and it, it is used. I hope we can keep the majority of the team together through free agency and make a good effort in going for two. Well, so do we all. Yeah. Thank you for help, your help explaining the finer points of rules. Fire the cannons. Keith Manlove, Chesterfield, New, Chesterfield England. Not right. New England. One more. All right. Taking us out is Kent Denny. All right, Kent. Okay. All right. Three questions, he says. Wow. Greeting, and they're all brief. Greetings, salty ones. 
Since the season has ended, what does a work day in the life of Jeff and Scott look like? Uh, you come here a lot, don't you? Well, I have been, yeah. I, I think um, – I uh, And here is the stadium, by yeah. the way. We're in a suite right now. The um, – the, uh, um, Spit it up. Yeah, well, right now it's a lot of paperwork and working on budgets. Ooh, and it's thrilling stuff. renegotiating contracts. You know what, Jeff? I will say this as an aside. 29 years with the Buccaneers, and I am thrilled to tell you that because of the way my job has gone and what I've you know gone from one thing to another, sure. I've never had to do a budget. Yeah. I've maybe had some input here and there, but mm-hmm. I've never had to be like the department, the guy yeah. at the department. It's really budget. fun. I, it sounds awful, and I'm uh, glad I've never had to do it's, it. It's electrifying <laughs> because you have to – you have to uh, it's where your creative writing class comes into play. <laughs> that does. I, creative writing is my job, and that does not sound like my job. Well, you have to because you have to justify spending money. <laughs> but I have found that if you treat it like it's your own money, you pretty much can get what you need. Okay. So, and that's they appreciate and, your. Um, well, it, I will say this: uh, uh, when you do a budget, of course, all companies have to have budgets and stuff of that nature. But it's not, you know, if you can if you can make a case and you can say, hey. the this, if we spend this money, this is going to make us better. It's never a problem. It's never a problem. Oh, yeah, because yeah, they yeah. always want you to be well, better. Well, that's the way a smart organization yeah, should Yeah, how, how do you do better? But, uh, yeah, I do that, and then I have to start working on um, uh, contract negotiations for different things, different people. Their contracts are ending, so I have to work on that. And, you know, I spend time uh, visiting our uh, affiliate radio station throughout the Mm. Uh, state emails, phone calls, things of that nature. And Zoom calls. Zoom calls. And then getting ready for uh, the draft because we do a, uh, a first-round draft show. So. Cool. Well, my job isn't terribly different in terms of form. I'm still uh, writing yeah. <laughs> things for the website, doing this podcast, doing some video stuff. But um, it, the difference for me from season to off-season is during the season, there is the, the issue is how do we get everything covered? You know, how do sure. we how do we get everything done that we need to get done? Um, certain story, uh, certain article series that have to be done, uh, news happening that you need to write about. So there's never an issue of trying to find something to write about during the season. It's no. can you get it all done? Yeah. During the off season, it's it's a lot of finding or creating things to write about. And this year it'll be easy. Well, for one thing, we got a yeah. shorter off season. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, we're almost into free agency already. That's that's what's that's what's so weird because at this time I would have a lot of things already done. Right, and it's just not. I mean, you're in the middle of February. The first day that you can put tags on players is one week away from now. Wow, to, which to me often feels like basically the beginning of the whole thing. Yeah, there's uh, so everybody now. A lot of teams and and um, media organizations have already devoted a whole lot of time to, to, to topics like the draft. Sure. Like, we haven't put a mock draft up on it. We're going no, to, but we haven't right. put a mock draft up yet because we were busy with the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a good busy. Yeah, but you jump right into that stuff. But there's plenty to write about these days, so it's just a matter of well, choosing the topics that you're you want to. You're going to have a lot to talk about or write about simply because of when free agency starts. Or, yeah, you know, well, we're already writing You know, whether it. we keep people or we don't. I mean, you I'm got already, a story all the time. Well, yeah, and even beforehand you can speculate or, or at least kind of set the scene like two two stories a week for the next like five weeks i'm writing about one of our prospective free agents sure and you know just because uh, there's a lot of them we already talked about oh, chris yeah. i did levante david, david on today and chris godwin will go up on friday um and then 
you know, there's that. And then you, and I also do stuff that looks back. Like I'm sure. doing a series starting soon on um, next Monday on the 15 most important roster moves that Jason Light and Bruce Harris right. made to get us from where we were to the Super Bowl champions. Tom, spoiler alert, Tom Brady's going to be number one. Yeah. and uh, But there's still – it'll probably – just hopefully – Put more of a spotlight on the fact that there were so many moves that were critical to getting the Bucks to where they went. Yeah, I agree. yeah started. So anyway, um, the next question: Put Jason's hat on, which I assume he means Jason Light, sure, and not like say Jason Voorhees. Was that the Jason in in Halloween or? Oh gosh, I have the other one. Like I'm a, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, I look like a Friday the Thirteenth. I don't guy. like those movies. I don't like. Uh, I don't yeah. like horror movies, so I shouldn't have even brought it up. Here, here's give a me thought. another famous. Here's Jason. a thought. Don't go in the basement, okay? <laughs> Just say it. Don't go back in the house. Yeah, don't go back don't in. Go, don't go back in. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't like those movies because I don't like gore. Um, so give me another famous Jason. Jason, former... Jason Turner. <laughs> former uh, MLB relief pitcher Jason Isringhausen. Oh, who's the... Uh, who's the um, Jason and the Argonauts from that famous movie. Yeah. Hmm. No, you stump him. There's a ton ass. of Jasons. I know. Why can't we think of them? I don't Jason know. Bateman? Yeah. There's a good one, He's right? He's an actor, yeah. I yep. just saw a bit of, uh, um, not the whole thing, but a bit of uh, Hancock last night. Did you? Yeah, I think that's an underrated movie, personally. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, what keeps you awake at night this offseason? This is if you're Jason. <laughs> okay. Uh, trying to, I mean, it's kind of obvious. Trying to figure out how to get all these guys back. Yeah. Right? Yeah, how to get them all back and um, how do you repeat what you just did? Yeah. You know, I don't know if, he, you know, it, it, it doesn't strike me. He doesn't strike me as the type of person who this would keep him up at night. Just to put it that way. I mean, they're a pretty confident group over there. Right. You know what I'm saying. Uh, and have you, have you ever finally, Ken says, have you ever thought of doing a live show? Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure that would work. No. What, what would you, what do you mean a live show? So that people could interact live? Yeah, I think I think you'd be taking callers. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, unless your people are emailing you at the time. But, sure. But even so, oh, kind of, I, well, I guess he's kind of thinking like what you and Casey do. Yeah, and I think that's that's an that's what that is for. Yeah. This is different. Yeah. We I, don't. We don't want to. We don't want to. I'm not sure. More that, of the same. Well, but it's but also, different. I'm not sure you could count on. I guess we obviously have a pretty good international um, listener base. Uh huh. Um, but I'm not sure we could count on a big enough portion of the people that listen to this actually wanting to tune in at a specific time. Sure. Well, that's the beauty of a podcast. That's what, right, exactly. That's the reason why you right. do a podcast. Exactly. It's like we do radio shows during the during season. They're on at 5 o'clock on Mondays and Tuesdays, a specific time. But then we isolate Which is it. drive time. Yeah. And so that works for the Bay Area, and it's on the app. So, you know, mm-hmm. wherever you are, you can listen. But we also put it on as a podcast later yeah. on. Yeah, it's easier day. to go the other direction. Sure. Right? Take, sure. take a live show and make it a podcast. Well, I think I think you have a whole generation of people now that are, it's called appointed listening. They they don't have time. You know, they're, they're going to listen when, when it's convenient for them. Yeah, that's the beauty of the way that media yeah. has transformed yeah. in this era. It's the same thing with TV shows. You you might just binge watch the whole thing. Sure. Rather than, Spend you don't have to week. tune in every week anymore. Right. you just like, oh, I want to see that. Well, when I get time, I will. And exactly. like for us during same season. Same podcasts. Yeah, you don't, have, you don't have much time. And then the off season, you get to catch up yeah. on everything. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm not sure that would really work. So no, we haven't really thought of doing it. No. We probably won't. Right. Right. Well, I mean, you know, I do. It's not unprecedented. I would say I have a. Um, 
I, I have a podcast that I like to listen to a lot. I may have mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It's really funny, but it usually breaks down some historical person or event. Sure. It's called The Dollop. Uh-huh. Um, it has a much bigger, like it's one of the most popular podcasts in the country. Sure. So it probably has a much bigger audience base than we do. Um, they have occasionally during this pandemic done, what they used to do was they would do live shows at a location. Like Maybe I, that's what he's thinking. I had a tic- live show at a location. Right, but still, I'm not sure we would get enough people there for that to really work. Right. I mean, maybe at a Hooters or something like that. Sure. We did a... Yeah, maybe that's what he's talking about. Because they, they, they would do live shows. Like, I had tickets to one at the um, the Strass. Uh-huh. Strass? Strass. Um, uh, but it got canceled because of COVID. Sure. And they used to do that. And so, they would have... you You would... I never went to one live. I was supposed to, but I never got to. But then they also put the recording up yeah. as their regular podcast of the week. So they would do some like this and some live. But they toured around the country sure. as well. I mean, this is a much higher profile yeah. podcast. So um, we would have to think about that on a much smaller scale, but maybe it's possible. Well, maybe if this grows, we'll, we'll and know, now this podcast Never say never. Now this podcast that I like I occasionally um, announces plans um, to you're listening to one that say, okay, we're going to do a live show, but it's online mm-hmm. and you, you pay a certain fee, whatever. And the reason you do is because they don't then post it. Sure. Cause otherwise you, why bother? You just wait and listen to it for free. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't think we would do that, right? No, we wouldn't do a podcast a, a, online live and then not post it so yeah you would yeah of course we wouldn't pay charge for no it no but you always want to post i don't know afterwards. maybe there's something there kent maybe sure maybe, maybe it's something maybe. we look you look know, down you know, the line a little you bit. know now that we're world champs it could, i think it, it would could, definitely have yeah. to be with a guest so if we said, oh yeah let's say we said we we're going to go to hooters down where that casey does a show there right? sure we we're going to go to hooters with a guest and do our podcast then then that might work because you'd have a built-in audience for one yeah. thing and then people would come to see mike evans or whoever sure. it that's, was yeah that's a possibility we're you know we're, we're probably talking about post-pandemic time before that would ever happen yeah. though most definitely right? yeah you would have to yeah because we didn't do live shows yeah. this year and we wouldn't have a player in no in close pl- proximity we would not well first of all the the nfl didn't allow players to yeah, do stuff like that's that. right so that's that's the that number one reason that nixed that one real yeah and quick. i don't think team management would have been really keen on it no either. you don't want to be that guy <laughs> no <laughs> just saying yeah so i don't i'm not 100 percent convinced we're going to be back to normal this upcoming season no i don't either i'm i'm hoping for the best even if even if the majority of people have by then been vaccinated and everybody involved in the nfl yeah I still think I could see them going, we're going to continue to be cautious for one more season. Yeah, I really want to travel this year, though, 2021. I, hear you. I really do. I, hear you. I, I, I mean, we there pulled, were some advantages. We pulled it off, and we, we but it's not the, the same thing. No, and one of the things I noticed just being it, being, and it, you know, because we went four weeks without being live at a game, we were watching it off of monitors. Doing the Super Bowl, so much information that I could see from the sidelines. Yeah. So, and, it, and that was what triggered me of, yes, um, uh, I, I want to be live. That's my goal. Yeah, you know, I have said a, a lot while this is going on that there's, yeah, it, it sucked not to get to travel for me personally and for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things that were, a lot of things that happened because of the pandemic that are f- for far worse than that. So I tried not to complain about it. Right. Right. I will say the one thing, though, that bummed me out the most was not being at that NFC Championship game in Green Bay. Yes. That was a bummer. That was a huge bummer. 
right? Yeah. Not being then you go down the field when they're having that ceremony and yeah. the, and it's in their stadium, so mm-hmm. you know you it would just feel really cold. Plus a historic place. Yeah, Lambeau. yeah. I was bummed about that. Yeah, I'm I'm not only bummed, I'm really salty about that. So <laughs> I'm going to let that lie. Okay. There you go. How's that? Maybe maybe your little salty reference is where we should wrap this up, because that is all the questions. That's Thanks, it. everyone. That's all of it? Wow. Yep. Now, I don't know when we're going to do another one of these. Mm. Um, there's no combine to talk about this year. It, no. might be, it might be later on, close to the draft. I'm not sure. But you can still continue to send questions at saltydogs at Buccaneers. How about how about this? We will do one when it warrants. So it could be the draft. It could be free agency. If things happen. Something big happens. If good news, ha- you know, something like that. We there's there's no. We don't have we 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 don't have a schedule. But anyway, um, you know what we need to do also is if we get to the point where we're going to do one, we find a way. Maybe we tweet about it or whatever. Yeah. Get the news out there so people can send sure. relevant questions for sure. the time. You know, if people send some questions now, they may not end up being sure. relevant. That's easy to do. We just have uh, Joey send out a tweet yeah. on Buccaneers.com and you on yours and say, the salty dogs are coming. <laughs> Get involved. All right. Oh, All wait, right. There's, wait, there's one more. Oh. Wow. Sorry. Do you want to do it? Yes, of course. Wouldn't be fair, right? I, th- it, I really thought that was the last I, one. This, I think it would be somewhat This one insulting. just came in today. All right. All right. Philip Spencer. All right. Um Oh, yeah, I do remember seeing this one right before I came here. Okay. Hey, not-so-salty ones. Not-so in parentheses. Congrats to the entire fan base for being through the good and the bad. It feels extra good this time because guys like Mike, Levante, Will, Cam, and Ali all deserve some real recognition around the league. Yes. I don't really have a question for you, but I did want to say that the only thing that could possibly have made this week better was finding out that I finally get to be a dad. I'm, uh, gl- I'm glad we're reading this. And Yeah. Well, Friday my wife and I find out that I get to. Not only do the Bucks get a Lombardi, but I get a baby. Wow, what a year. It's going to be up to me to make this baby a Bucks fan from birth. Mom's a Seahawks fan. He is from Spokane, Washington. So I have my work cut out for me. I hope you guys have a phenomenal offseason and enjoy this feeling. Phil from Spokane, Washington. Wow. Well, he's Congratulations, a Phil. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Uh, we're very happy for you. Uh, that's better than a Super Bowl win. Well, obviously. Sure. sure. But he gets that both. Yeah. And then find out both bits of news like fairly close to each other. Jeez. <laughs> uh, you know, I, he probably needs all that with all the snow they're getting up there this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're getting hammered. My sister in St. Louis said she, he, she shoveled her lawn twice yesterday. Yesterday. Her lawn or driveway? Probably her driveway. <laughs> okay. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to shovel well, her lawn. Well, sometimes people shovel their lawn for the dog. I'm just not. <laughs> or, or she was making a gigantic snowman. Or that. I did mean driveway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I can kind of know how Phil feels here because, and you, you said you don't mind when I talk about no, Alex. No, I don't. Giselle and Alex, well, Giselle got to go to that Super Bowl in San Diego, mm-hmm. as did all of our spouses. Um and she was pregnant with Alex at the time, as I've told you before. He was born the next July, um, so yeah. I, there's a you know he was at that Super Bowl, and then they both got to go to this one. So there probably aren't a ton eight, of fans that have 18, been a, eighteen years later. Think well, about not quite that. eighteen, but yeah, yeah, for him, not for quite. him, yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, he's seventeen, soon off to college. Yes. Wow, that you talk about you talk about being able to measure time in know, between right? Super Bowls, right? right? My entire my kid wow. has his entire childhood. Yeah. Uh, while between the Bucks two Super Bowls, crazy. But there are there are fans there. So uh, Phil here is going to try to make his son, or no, he doesn't actually say the the sex. They probably don't know yet. Right. Um, if they just found out they're pregnant, son or daughter, a um. 
a Bucks fan, but he, he's going to have competition from his Seahawks fan wife. Ooh. But he, but here's an interesting thing: Fair those those were two um, sisters expansion franchises yeah. in 1976, right? And the Buccaneers won a Super Bowl first, uh, but Seattle went to two of them first and won one. Mm-hmm. And now the Bucks have gotten their second Super Bowl, and now they're back on top with two wins, two Super Bowl wins. So if there's a if you need a tiebreaker in the uh, F- Spencer household. Uh, <laughs> at the moment, you could do with Lombardi trophies because yeah. the Bucks are up two to one. Because your baby's a winner. <laughs> but either one they choose is a pretty good franchise sure. right now, right? Hey, you can't. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the worst thing to be a no, Seahawks fan. No, no. Well, it probably it, depends on how you feel about be, their uniforms. It could be the baby's AFC team. Sometimes his B team, though. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. Is it, they were AFC to begin with, and yeah, moved. that's right. Yeah. That's, or no. Yes. They were NFC. Then no. They moved, no. Were they? AFC? You had it right the first time. Okay. Well, what really, 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 truly happened is that in 1976, they put the Bucks in the AFC West and the Seahawks in the NFC Central. Right. They did that knowing they were going to switch them the next year. It just had something to do with scheduling. And the Bucks played. Every, they played Seattle and every every other team in the AFC. Uh-huh. That's how they got their 14 games because there's sure. 14 games in '76. And then the next year, the Bucks became an NFC team and Seattle became an AFC team. And then in 2002. I think. Yep. With the realignment is when AFC when was when Seattle was the one team that switched conferences to make it all work. There you go. How about that? All right. We've been on for more than an hour and a half now. Uh, one hour and thirty four minutes. All right. But Dude. that's good. Yeah. Well, now, it's the final show of this twenty twenty season. Sure, and you can do it in segments. As you know, it's the final show. You might do a half hour and right. three weeks. Or you're scrolling this. through to see if your question got answered. There you go. And we did. We answered them all. We answered them all. And so, since you did. Thanks for listening.